Welcome to the Forensic Cop Podcast. This is LFC Core. Looking forward. Looking back. So uh, the season is done. The uh, points total is done. There's a couple more games to play out, but for the most part, it's over. So it's time to look towards the summer. Uh, I guess my big thought in the summer is this is not going to be the, tra- the traditional summer. Uh, a, it's going to be a lot shorter, I think. And B, I mean, the, these players used to jet set around the world and, and post glorious pictures from beautiful destinations. Uh, but I'm not sure that's something that we want to see them doing this summer. I don't know. What are you thinking the players should be doing this summer? Yeah, it's an int- interesting question because, first of all, the summer will be the month of August and half of September. The Community Shield will probably be maybe the first or second week of September. So for Liverpool, we will have a good six weeks off. The same wouldn't be said for the teams participating in the Champions League or Europa League um, quarterfinals, which will be held between, so essentially the month of August. So I I think the Champions League is from August 7th to 23rd. Um, So in terms of Liverpool, assuming that they could travel then obviously they would each, a lot of the foreign players would each go to their home countries, um, even if it's only for a week or two, or they would just go on a vacation. But given the current climate, and in particular, so I look at the Brazilian players, I'm not sure how comfortable um, Liverpool staff or even the EPL in general would be with allowing um, the Brazilian players to to travel back home, given what's happening over there with, with COVID. Um so it it's it is interesting. Um, I think I think you will see players staying either staying in Liverpool or staying or traveling on vacation to quote unquote safe safe um, destinations or contained or controlled destinations. Well, I guess one of the points to think about would be if they do leave England and potentially this gets worse, would they be allowed back in? Uh, so right. again, you got to think that they probably would because, you know, they're professional athletes. There's, you know, the the government would want to keep the sport going, but it would be a risk. And and to your point in particular, the the Brazilian players, I mean, Brazil is, is now running neck and neck with the United States on who can uh, have this get the most out of control. So, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be a good place to go. Uh, I do want to bring up a, a point and I give uh, full credit to you on this one. Uh, when we lost in the uh, to Atletico Madrid and the Corona thing was happening, you actually said back in March that you were happy. Uh, I mean, you didn't want us to lose, but it's actually going to be a good thing in the long run. And absolutely, you've been proven right because uh, playing until, say, say you go until the finals, till August 23rd. I mean... If we're playing the Community Shield in like the second week of September, there is no break. So I'm actually happy, given how weird this season has been, given the the coronavirus has delayed everything. If there was a season that we wanted to get out of Champions League early, this was it. Yeah, so Liverpool specifically, I think it, it was to our benefit not to be involved in this tournament in, in August because the players absolutely need a mental, physical, emotional break. Um, I mean, it works for Liverpool because, again, we won it. So we've been to a final. Then the next year we came back and won the final. For a team like Man City, I can see where it would matter. But for us, 
you know, right. having the break is a big is more important. Yeah, and looking into next season, we it's it's extremely important that we begin the season well. And we talked about this. So we want to start the next season the same way we did this season and just build momentum and, and then go from strength to strength. Now, looking at Chelsea, Man City, Man U, well, Chelsea probably wouldn't qualify for the quarterfinals because they're ascent, they're pretty much out of it. Um, they do have a second leg to go, but it's very unlikely that they'll be beating Bayern Munich. But anyway, so if we focus on Man City and Manchester United, if they play through August... They, they would essentially still be playing their season and they would be able to start next season in peak condition and have a good start. Man City does have the squad to con- continue a good run into the remaining season, even if they end up um, losing games after that. Just simply having a good start uh, would be beneficial, especially if Liverpool doesn't. So, yes, it's good that Liverpool has a break, but looking into Man City... I don't know if we, if we want them to go all the way in the Champions League or not. I think it'll be in our best interest if they lose early as well. So I, I think that every player needs a bit of a break. I would almost say, I, I hear what you're saying, but on the other hand, say they won Champions League. There would be a lot of players on that team who would look and be like, you know what, I accomplished what I wanted to accomplish because you've won the EPL, you've won the Champions League, you know what, maybe there's a little bit of, you know, uh, they're not as interested. Uh, Again, maybe it'll be like us, where our first game back uh, after we officially won did not look good. So maybe there's a little bit of that. But I take your point. I mean, Man City has spent so much money and has the ability to have so many players that rotating players is not a big deal. Uh, We don't have the bench to be able to rotate players at that level. So I can see how that would definitely play into becoming an issue. Um, I guess the other thing that'll be super weird is there's supposed to be a lot of additional tournaments being played with the Qatar World Cup, uh, the Euros, the AFCON. Um, so who knows uh, when those will be played and if they'll be played. Yeah, so we know that Euro 2020 has tentatively been sh- um, moved a year. So they're planning to play it in the month, uh, so from mid-June to mid-July of next year, but the dates haven't been confirmed. Uh, we know that the EPL season for the 2020-2021 will start a month late. So it's either they'll have to compromise the the newly instituted winter break in England or one of the, the, the cup tournaments would have to be impacted, either the FA Cup or more than likely the um, cup, win- the what is it called, the League Cup. Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, at the end of the day, I think the Euros are going to trump either of those. Um, again, part of this issue for Liverpool, I wasn't so much worried about the Euros. It was more the African Cup because uh, they were planning on playing actually during the season, which would effectively pull uh, Salah, Mane, Keita. Like we would legitimately lose solid players. Yeah, and they have shifted that to 2022. So it'll be held in January of 2022, the same year as the Qatar World Cup. So obviously the Qatar World Cup is in December of 2022. So if it, if we just look at a three or a two two to three season map, we have the EPL season starting a month late this year. 
Then uh, we have the Euros happening during the regular time next season or, or, or in, in the middle of the summer. Then the EPL would revert back to its regular August start. Then the AFCON would be in the winter of that season. And then the winter of the following season would be the World Cup. So there's a lot of rejigging that has to occur. And I think the biggest saving grace is that the AFCON has been shifted a year. So it, it would not just be Liverpool impacted. A lot of the teams would be impacted by this. And and I think that is why this break that we will have between the two seasons will be extremely beneficial for the Liverpool players. The other thing to keep in mind, because we've had this conversation, was we were talking about potentially getting Timo Werner so that he could provide cover when Salah and Mane go to play in the African Cup. So I'm sure that was part of Liverpool's thinking as well in getting him. But now, I mean, they they obviously looked and said he wasn't worth getting. But this might have been something that plays into it too because you're talking, you know, if we're going to lose them a couple years from now, you know, maybe we're already transitioning new players into their position. So it, it definitely is a big change, uh, all the rejigging that needs to happen. Uh, for me personally, I mean, to me, it's a it's a career. It's not a, a you know a fun time. Uh, I would personally prefer the players to stay in the UK, uh, stay close to the team, don't go out and risk getting uh, the virus. Also, I wonder if they'll need to quarantine for two weeks when they get back, which would also potentially impact training. Uh, so they would it'll be absolutely need to do that. Yeah, but so it would be interesting to see. Like, uh, you got to believe a guy like Milner or Hendo definitely wouldn't go because that's the kind of guys that they are. Um, but some of the, you know, uh, some of the other players do go. They have wives, they have kids, they might want to take a break. So I can kind of see that. Uh, but again, I, I guess I hope they don't make take too many risks at going to Brazil. Uh, if they're going to go somewhere, go to some you know secluded island that doesn't have a ton of people, um, which I'm sure they already know. But I think it's going to be an interesting summer. I think it'll be uh, interesting in terms of we're going to get a break and some of the other teams we're going to compete against next year aren't because they're still in the, cl- in the World Cup. Uh, so hopefully that does give us a leg up next year. Yeah, so, so I think what we'll see is for the first two weeks of August, I think players will be given time off and those that choose to travel will be allowed to travel. Obviously, they'll use common sense and then they'll be asked to come back and they'll probably resume the the um, remote training that, that they did over the, the 100-day break. So something similar um, from mid-August as as a preseason and then they'll all come in maybe by, by the... Um, the last week of August, they'll they'll begin face to face training again. So they'll probably do something like that because the players have already had a hundred day break. So I don't think anybody needs that much of a downtime, and none of them are coming off summer tournaments like they typically are. So so I think just a week or two um, with their families would would. Yeah, I think it would make a big difference. I think the other thing to keep in mind is they've already announced that the transfer windows are going to be uh, changing. So they're going to open the transfer window on July 27th, and they're going to be closing it on uh, the the 5th or the 16th or something like that of October. Uh, So I actually do kind of wonder how that will play for teams that are maybe in the Champions League, Um, you know, maybe you acquire a player, I assume you wouldn't be able to play him. But what if you want to sell a player, so one of the Champions League teams want to sell a player, 
what happens then? Uh, like, does the player go? Does he stay? So again, one of the complications that we wouldn't have. Um, but it'll definitely be an interesting summer. Uh, short summer, so we'll get back to football quickly. But uh, we wait to see what the instructions to the players will be and how far uh, they'll go in terms of uh, getting a bit of a break. Facts and figures. So this past Monday, we found out that Man City will indeed be playing in the next two seasons of the Champions League. So the ruling was overturned. Um, There's been a lot of response to that from coaches, teams, and fans alike. What's your response to that? So first and foremost, the one that's driving people the most crazy is it actually wasn't overturned. Um, So I think Jose Mourinho said it best, which is if you found they did nothing wrong then why are you fining them? If they did do something wrong, why are you fining a team with unlimited money? Um, So that's kind of the issue. Basically what it said, um, and I'll quote a little bit of the ruling, was that the alleged breaches were either not established or time barred. So what that means is they either weren't able to prove their case or the time after which they can can catch someone has expired. which is massively frustrating because essentially what they're saying is if you can hide it from us for long enough, you can get away with it, which is totally the wrong way to go. Um, Additionally, the one that was kind of surprising is they were fined not for what they did, but for uh, the obstruction of the investigation. So what that means is basically they were saying, we you, like the the time had elapsed so you know we couldn't charge you with it but you did obstruct an investigation but that's not such a big deal and i guess the one i would look at is martha stewart who never went to jail for insider trading she went for obstruction of justice so i i think a lot of people are shocked by it simply because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense um you know these documents wouldn't have been leaked if they weren't incriminatory. Um, the case wouldn't have proceeded, you know, if it if there wasn't substance to it. Um, I think the the bigger problem is, I mean, Man City being in Champions League for the next two years is, you know, unfortunate for Liverpool because potentially players would have wanted to leave if the ruling had gone against them. Um, So all of those players are happy to stay now because they can get paid more than anywhere else and they can still play in Champions League. But it's more of the long-term consequences that people are genuinely worried about. Um, You know, I've I've written an article um, on theforensiccop.com where I talk about the fact that our owner is actually not very rich. So he's actually in the bottom half of wealth of owners um, in the EPL. And you're also talking about a new... Uh, potential purchase. So I'm not sure if you've heard of it, Newcastle. Yes. Right. So they're up for sale. They're being reviewed and it's being bought by a a consortium or whatever they call them that has Saudi money backing them. So, you know, what might end up happening is, you know, if the financial fair play really had its teeth ripped out on this one, then potentially the new owners come into Newcastle and say, that's great. We hide whatever we want to. We obstruct when they come to investigate. The time elapses and we get away with it. So it could kind of open the door a lot more to other uh, potential buyers. Okay, so two things there. Firstly, you, you mentioned other potential buyers, plural. So if there's more than one 
multi-billion consortium buying an EPL team, then clearly competition is not impacted because there's still competition, right? It isn't just Man City running away with the league every every single season. Number well, two. it would be competition amongst the richest owners, but the problem is that Liverpool is not one of the richest owners, and so we would fall behind. Okay, so you, you bring me to my second point. Have we fallen behind, though? Like, haven't we set the template of how football is able to overcome money? And doesn't this Liverpool team thrive on competition, right? So if we didn't have this Mass City team, we probably wouldn't have pushed ourselves to become this monster that we that that we have been and it's evidenced by our latest results after we won the league that once we we uh, lose that edge then we're just coasting and then we we tie a game here lose a game there right so i also wouldn't want a league in which liverpool is just running away with it every year i i i do want com- the competition that heavily assembled squads like mass city provide um, so while I do understand that, the issue uh, really turns into um, you it's know, ethical now. It's so it's it's not even ethical because here's here's what I'll say about Liverpool. Liverpool has done a great job. Liverpool got ahead of the curb in terms of data analytics. But here's what happens in sports: people catch up to you. So. Um, other people will look at the success Liverpool had in identifying players and will start using those same type of metrics to look at players. So Liverpool will lose their edge. At the same time, you also have to think, how many really uh, poor transfers have we made during this whole time? You know, most of our transfers have been either a roaring success, like you're thinking of the Robertsons of the world, even Van Dyke and Allison for the oodles of money we paid for them were still a huge success. Um Versus we didn't really have spend tons of money on guys that didn't return something. But that's unreasonable to believe we could keep that up. Eventually, someone's going to catch an injury. Someone's just not going to fit. Things like that. So we're almost running a, a kind of perfect system right now. And I'm not sure that we could legitimately keep that going. Right. And you notice that for the past minute, we've been discussing things related to football and analytics and data and planning and transfers. We haven't once talked about just purchasing huge squads, right? So I I don't personally believe... Now, I'm, I'm not saying that I don't believe in FFP. However, I personally don't see a correlation between billionaire purchasing club equals immediate success or even long-term success because there are a, a lot of rich owners in our league that are nowhere near successful and 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 even for man city it took them years of proper planning and putting in the right strategy working through a few managers before they finally got it right so while i don't deny that you need to work through things um the real reason that it took them years to work through things is because they couldn't spend as much as they wanted to because of financial fair play if financial fair play is now essentially thrown out the window because there are so many loopholes you can go through, um, and that's what this ruling is kind of saying, then there is some serious trouble. Then I, I will guarantee you, if financial fair play wasn't there, Man City would have gotten there a lot faster. And also, don't forget, Man City spent more than any other club in the 2010s. In that decade, they spent over a billion dollars uh, net in player transfers. So, I mean, I think Man U only spent seven hundred million, 
Liverpool was not even half what they had spent. So I don't deny that you need to build an operation well, but it becomes a lot easier when you can buy you know, players at their peak, where Liverpool is looking at up-and-coming players. Uh, Man City or Man U, for example, can go out and buy guys at their peak for the most money because they just have more money. So there's less of a guessing game, as it were. Right, but it still remains that... So the players have to want to come to the club, first of all, right? And then second of all, we cannot quantify the, the human element of it. So, like I said, Liverpool has proven that there is a way to defy the odds and still become the best team, even if you don't spend as much money as the other teams. And I don't... I'm not concerned with... Uh, the Saudi group purchasing Newcastle and then them suddenly taking over the league. I don't think that's going to happen. And if it makes our league stronger, then I have no no concerns with that. Even if they they are spending above their means, that's that's not m- m- my concern. So while I hear you say that, um, think of it like a, a good example is, um, and maybe not everybody knows uh, baseball, but. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, who were the uh, the group that that Moneyball movie and book and movie were written about, they ran on analytics well before everybody else. Well, now everybody else has got analytics too, and so the fact that they can't spend has meant that they just aren't able to excel anymore. So that's kind of where I'm looking at. Like, I feel like we have a good structure. We're doing well. We have good analytics. I think people will catch up on the analytics. And again, it doesn't take a lot. Like, what if Van Dyke had come in? He had uh, a, a career-ending injury. We can't replace him. Where a team like Man City can go out and replace a $100 million player because they just can't. So it does make things a little bit easier. Again, I don't deny you need the right coach, you need the right strategy, you need everything in place. I'm just saying it's easier when you have unlimited money. Right. And those are just the, the stakes, right? So there are clubs that are richer than other clubs. So a team like Bournemouth, for instance, uh, maybe that's a bad example. Let me just say Gillingham, <laughs> right? Because I, I don't know how, how much money they have, but I know certainly not as much as any EPL team. So a team like Gillingham, they can sit there and complain, oh, we don't have the funds that um, Everton has or Blackburn has or um, whoever leads. However, they still come come and play football, and every now and then they will upset one of those teams, and they it's now on them to to find creative ways to give themselves whatever edge that they can over teams that simply have the better players, and that's that's just football. It's always been that way, and it'll always continue to be that way. So again, it's uh, I, I do hear where you're coming from, but I kind of look at the Sheffield United example where they played extremely well this year even though they have one of the lowest salaries in the league and they're not going out and buying anybody but again that feels like it might not be a sustainable uh, train and i think we saw that since the restart they've definitely struggled so it's more a case of i i don't want liverpool to become the team that gets excited to you know steal a win from the manchester cities or potentially the newcastles of the world like i want to stay on top i want to be one of the top teams but again if it comes down to straight finances um we need to be closer to perfection than they do when it comes to our strategy and our purchases that's really what this means 
Exactly. And and that's the challenge and that's the motivation, right? So necessity is the mother of, of invention, right? Um, I don't want a league where we're preventing people from spending money so that teams can be of, of, of more equal standing because then there's no motivation to now look for an edge outside of the financial. So when Klopp came to Liverpool, he knew that he had to take on Man City and he knew that he couldn't take them off financially. So he, he put or maybe not just club, but the, the FSG team and, and, and the people they hired, Michael Edwards and everybody else, they put together a team to strategize, okay, how can we be the best without being richer than the best? And this is what we have, and it, it may not be sustainable. Maybe in two years' time, it'll be Tottenham's turn or Arsenal's turn or whoever. And I'm okay with that, right? Right. I guess for me, I would rather um, have more parity, have more people on equal footing. Um, and definitely, if it's going to be someone challenging, I'd like it to be us perennially. Um, and I do see your point. I mean, I don't think Liverpool would have been flirting with 100 points if we hadn't had 99 last year or 98 or whatever we had and not won the title. 97 like if if we hadn't gotten that good last year and still lost the title we probably wouldn't have pushed that hard this year so while i do understand that it's just more a case of you know i think klopp is special i think the staff at uh, fsg right now is special and i hope it can continue i guess for me i look at it uh on the doom and gloom side which is when klopp moves on if other people from FSG leave, maybe we become another one of those clubs with a rich history that just keep can't keep up financially. But I hope that doesn't happen. But again, that's where this ruling I fear may lead to. If financial fair play doesn't have the teeth, we may end up being one of those clubs that had a rich history but not a rich owner. Yeah, and the only concern I have with, with this ruling or non-ruling is less that I want FFP to succeed, but more... I don't like farce, right? So we either have FFP or we don't. If we have it, then let's have it. And if we don't, let's not even talk about it. Let it not be an issue, right? Let's just play football. Critique and commentary. So I'm sure you've seen the the banter between Jurgen Klopp and Ade Akinfenwa from Wickham um, after gaining promotion to the championship. The championship, he he asked Klopp to call him, and Klopp obliged. What I was thinking was, while that was all nice and cute and fun and games, we do have a player that lost in that game to Eichenfenwa. So Ben Woodburn has been on loan at Oxford, and he played in that game, and he lost. Now, do you think that Klopp should have gone so public with his chat with Eichenfenwa? I'm sure he, he called and consoled Ben Woodburn after the game, of course. But do you think that... Um, there is a chance for some resentment to to brew with how public this has gone. So, I mean, you know me well enough to know that my Eastern European upbringing is if you didn't win anything, then don't bother getting a call. Uh, so from from a, a purely like psychological point of view for me, uh, Ben Woodburn, if you wanted the call from Klopp on live TV, then you should probably, you know, win something. So, uh that's a little bit of of the my thought process but realistically like i do feel for the guy you know he's a liverpool player i can understand how that would be um a hard thing for him to have to watch even if you talk to klopp separately it'll still be one of those things that will get played over and over uh, will be talked about in the future so i can understand how it will be hard on him uh i'm not sure i loved klopp doing that 
but it's part of Klopp's personality, and it's one of the things that has made him so popular as a coach. Why don't you love that? So, you know, I would be first and foremost showing loyalty to your people. And so I think oh. it could be interpreted as not showing loyalty to Ben Woodburn. Okay, so for the same reasons that I mentioned. Yeah, but then on the other hand, like I, I do know, um, I've seen interviews when they have the, you know, the the awards, the footballing awards every year. Um, and, you know, the, the greats, Messi are there, Cristiano Ronaldo are there, everybody goes. And uh, you listen to some of the lower players who are invited, but, you know, they're not at that level. And unanimously, they all are there to meet Jurgen Klopp. Nobody's there to shake Messi's hand or Cristiano Ronaldo. They're kind of like secondary. Klopp is the rock star. And, you know, even though I don't necessarily love it as much, because again, Woodburn was the guy who lost, um, it is part of Klopp's mystique and it's part of what makes him so popular. So in a way, it does serve Liverpool. Yeah, I I would tend to agree. Um, And I think most so i don't think any player that's thinking about joining liverpool is, is is asking the question that we're asking i'm sure they know how these things work that when you're on loan if you win a game or lose a game people are, are texting you or on the phone with you right away right so uh, your parent club and i'm sure that woodburn would have received um uh, consolations from the the staff his his teammates at at, at liverpool and um will probably just making a, a mountain out of a molehill. Um, but were you going to say something? No, I like we, we are probably blowing it out of proportion um, just because it's kind of fun and it's interesting and it's out of the norm. My only thought would be Ben Woodburn. I think he's only 20 years old. Uh, yes. You don't know how that'll affect a young guy like that. Again, I hope it doesn't. I mean, it obviously had nothing to do with him. It's just more a case of you hope he can see it for what it is, which is, you know, this guy is, I think this is the first time he's even made it into the championship. So, you know, it's it's a popular player with an oversized personality that lots of people know who wanted Klopp to call him. So Klopp called him. I hope he can just take it at face value as that. Yeah. And and, and I suppose the, the, the true question here is, let's look at a player that's on loan with a clear future, or maybe not a clear future Liverpool, but a, a, a potential chance to prove his worth at Liverpool. Um, so obviously there's two tiers of players. There's those that, okay, can you go on loan because you're n- never going to play here and we actually want to sell you, but we can we can send you on loan. Then there's those players that you're too good to play reserve football. We're not sure if you can crack it at Liverpool, but if you do well on loan, you can come back and then you can fight for a place. Harry Wilson, for instance, right? If Harry Wilson lost the last game of the season, I, I'm not even sure who they're playing, right? But whoever Bournemouth is playing, if they lost the last game of the season um, against a team that has a, a larger-than-the-life Liverpool fan and the same thing happened where Klopp is WhatsApping him you know, uh, to the public and he's not reaching out to Harry Wilson in, in public as well, I don't think that would happen. I think Klopp would know this is not a good look. Which kind of may make it worse because it's almost as if it it, it may be perceived as if Ben Woodburn in Oxford is not considered that significant enough to choose to keep this behind closed doors. 
So that makes any sense. Uh, no, and I and I get that. I think more it's a case of um, kind of boys having fun. Like I, I don't think there was a ton of thought put into it. Kind of while you were talking, it also did remind me. Like we have heard, um, you know, like Timo Werner uh, isn't a Liverpool player right now, but even he has said that he has gotten calls from Klopp after like a bad game or after a good game or whatever. So even if you're not um, a Liverpool player, uh, maybe Klopp is keeping tabs on you or whatever like that. He does seem to talk to a lot of players in general. Uh, so. I mean, from that point of view, I guess it's a little bit, uh, you know, it's it's kind of more the norm for Klopp to be talking to guys. I think it's more the the public nature of this. Uh, but again, I think the public yes. nature was not because Klopp wanted it to be public. Right? I don't think exactly. he was calling and, saying, hey, can you post this? Right. Exactly. And, and Klopp is very instinctive by his own admission. And there have been several things he's done in the past where uh, after a few days, he's come back and said, I should not have done that. You'll never see me do that again. Right. Running and, out on the field to hug Allison. Exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but then in the moment, he, he just can't control himself. He can't help himself. And I would not be surprised in the slightest if in a, a few days from now, in a week, we, we hear something about him mentioning Ben Woodburn by name. And referring back to 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 the public, or the the WhatsApp message that was made public. Yeah, it's it's possible. Like you, you can see that Klopp is a fun guy, um, and he he has done clearly things that maybe he regrets doing later. He's done interviews where he said stuff that he regrets, uh, not just running out on the field, but if you recall, um, I think it was during the Club World Cup where one of the interpreters interpreted it wrong, and uh, he kind of laid into the guy a bit. Uh, so, you know, I mean, and then he turned around and he apologized the next day, even though everything he said was right. Uh, so he, he is a measured guy, but I think he's measured after he thinks about it. So to your point, we might see something in the near future. And even if we don't see something, it might be a call to Ben Woodburn saying, you know what? I don't want you to feel bad about that. I kind of got carried away. I'm sorry about that. And that might happen behind closed doors. So here's the bottom line. Who has more of a chance to play for Liverpool in in um, the next couple seasons, Akinfenwa or Ben Woodburn? Oh, Akinfenwa's never going to make it, um, and Woodburn has a chance. Uh, not much of a chance, but I mean, at least he's twenty. Akinfenwa's thirty-eight, I think. So yeah. yeah, so he's not, you know, he's he's not as fast as he used to be. He's not as anything as he used to be. He's you know, fortunately, he's made it into the championship now, uh, so he can enjoy that. I wouldn't be surprised if he retires after the season, uh, after next season, having played in the championship. But uh, I think Woodburn potentially can grow. Um, but yeah, it's it's only one of these guys is going to be potentially a Liverpool player. I'm not sure if it's funny or sad and insulting that you took that question so seriously. <laughs> it's you know what i i take seriously any question posed to me because that's just the way i am um again you're right it's it's a bit of a ridiculous question the sad part is i would have thought you know what maybe a couple of years ago ben woodburn would legitimately yeah. be a liverpool player and it's it's a bit sad that i actually thought it through and came out with a reason why that is when i'm comparing him to a very very large 38 year old um, which sadly kind of shows how far he's fallen. Yeah, I, I was actually, um, this whole episode had me kind of thinking about him. And 
there there is still a window because that talent didn't just disappear. And so if he can stay injury free, you never know. He's he's he is still only twenty, and he's a he's the type of player that we could do with if he had continued blossoming at at the rate he was going. So you never know, but yeah, I'm not holding my breath. Yeah, it would it would be a, a bit of a surprising turnaround um, if he was able to, um, you know, kind of get back onto the side. Uh, I mean, for Woodburn, he played, he had 11 appearances, one goal, four assists. Um, so you would hope in League One, you'd do a little bit better than that. Um, no, he, he was injured. He, he has had a couple of injuries, so it was his time that was stop-start. No, and, and I get that, but still, he played about 800 minutes with one goal and four assists. Like, you would think if you if you send another, like Alexander Arnold when he was 20, if you sent him down there, you'd like to think he'd do a lot better than that. So it's it's more a case of I think he'd need a bit of a, a you know, resurgence. Something would need to change because the path he's on doesn't seem to be leading him to Liverpool success soon, uh, but hopefully he can turn it around. For more stories, analysis and articles, go to the forensicop.com website.